Hello, and welcome to Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Christchurch School. Support comes from Christchurch School, a boarding school on Virginia's Rappahannock River. Students with learning differences in the Learning Skills Program unlock their true potential within a top-tier mainstream high school. More at ChristChurchSchool.org. Hi, I'm your host, Susan Booning, and I'm here today with Judith Bass. We're going to talk about college readiness. Judy, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks for having me today. I am an educational consultant, and what I do is I help students, specifically students with ADHD and other learning differences, find colleges where they can be successful and thrive. And uh, by doing that, making sure that they have a good understanding of what it means to be ready for college so that they can do well. Great. How does a parent know if their child is ready for college? That is a good question. And it's unfortunately, it's very difficult for a lot of parents to see uh, because what we talk about all the time are academics. And truthfully, what I look for is if a student is an independent learner, if they can do their homework by themselves with little prompting, they turn it in without too many reminders. They don't have too much scaffolding. They're really able to do without too many tutors. And they can advocate with their teachers and they can accept themselves. So if they have ADHD and they know that sometimes they can't stay focused, they're willing to acknowledge that and get the help they need, whether it's extra time or priority seating, and really accept who they are as a part of themselves and be focused on what their strengths are. And so when all of those things are in place, the academics are less important than the actual readiness. How can parents help their child develop the self-advocacy skills and independence that is needed for college? Well, what I say is it's never too early to start and it's never too late to start. So parents don't think a lot about what self-advocacy means, but it means when you take your five-year-old to the doctor uh, because she's sick, And the doctor says, how are you feeling? Who answers? It's usually the parent jumps in and says how she's feeling. Let your child answer. And you can always fill in, but give your child a voice from a young age. The same thing when you go to a store, if you are buying something for your child and he wants to ask the clerk where it is, well, you go together and you model how to do that. And then you say to the child, tell the clerk what you'd like and he can help us find it. And then in school, it's the same thing. Why don't we role play how to talk to your teacher? And then you go try talking to the teacher. And if you're not successful or it doesn't work, then I will come and talk with you. But you need to try it first. So there are a lot of ways to develop self-advocacy in life. And that's really where it matters. It's not just in school. It's feeling like you have a voice and being accepted for your opinion and, and having a voice. And then the independence piece comes from that. The more you're confident, the more that you feel people believe that you have a voice, the more independent you can become. In a nutshell, there's a lot more, but that's basically a good start. I love what you said about it never being too early and also never too late. What are some of the life skills that students need to have? Well, uh, there are many 
And some that I really focus on, number one is waking up in the morning. We know that five and six-year-olds get up all the time, sometimes even middle schoolers. But by the time they're in high school, their sleep cycle is often, especially for ADHD students, is often disrupted by staying up late and they have a hard time getting out in the morning. And that's something they need to do on their own when they go to college because there is no one to wake them up. And you don't want them missing their early morning classes because they didn't have the ability to use an alarm clock. Another one is cooking a meal for yourself. Even if you're in a dorm, there's going to be a time when you're going to have to cook something for yourself or at least know how to make certain things. And that also gives you a feeling of independence. If you're going to move into an apartment, you need to know how to boil water and maybe make some scrambled eggs. And again, these are gradual um, skills. Another one is being able to do your laundry. Um, a lot of students say to me, oh, I know how to do my laundry. Well, when I ask if you've ever done it, they go, no, I haven't, but I know how. So again, practicing. I recall when my son was in seventh grade and he played basketball and he asked me how to wash his basketball uniform. And I showed him how to wash it and how to hang it up and all of that. And then I said, guess what? All your laundry is washed the same way. Now you can do your laundry. And from that point, he's been doing his laundry because it wasn't a chore in a way. It was something he needed for himself. And I think that's part of it too, is if you need something for yourself, you have to learn to do it. And the last one is money management. We know a lot of ADHD people are impulsive with money. And, you know, as they say, money burns a hole in your pocket. If you have, you know, ADHD often, when you get to college, that can be dangerous because everything's on a card and parents have to reload the card because it pays for food, but it could also pay for books. It could pay for the local CVS or even a restaurant in town. And it's the college card that's covered, covering everything. So if students don't really understand money and they don't understand that this is not an unlimited card, it can really be expensive. So those would be the main ones that I would say, um, those life skills. And also sort of the social piece. You know, a lot of ADHD students have social anxiety and it causes them to act in ways that might either not be appropriate or that they're trying to get people's attention kind of working through how to be social, how to make friends. And there are ways to develop those skills as well. So then what is college readiness? Is it having the best grades? Uh, that is an excellent question. And again, we as a society focus on grades because we hear these stories about you have to have excellent grades to get into college. But that's really only true if you're looking at the top 5% of colleges in the country because they're so competitive. There are over 2,000 four-year universities and colleges in the country. You're going to find 10 or 12 that you like that are going to like you. And so grades are important, but if you are doing your best and you're working hard and you do it independently, you're college ready. And there are colleges that will accept you with a B average and a B plus average, and even some colleges if you have a C plus average. There are many, many colleges. The key really is developing the social maturity, the social skills, the emotional regulation, and the academic ability. So if you think of a three-legged stool and each of those is one leg, they're balanced. If any one of those legs is missing, you're not ready because you're gonna be out of whack, out of balance. And so 
To me, those are all important skills. And if one isn't there, then your child might not be ready for college. So what if I don't feel my child is ready for college, but he still wants to go? Well, this is one of the hardest things that I talk to parents about. This is one of the times where you really have to hold firm. You really, if your child is not ready, you're doing them a disservice by allowing them to go, by indulging them, let's say. First of all, it's going to cost you a lot of money and it's a risk about their success. But what it does to their self-esteem when they aren't successful is devastating. And you may not think it's going to happen, but it is. If they don't use support, many students with ADHD decide they don't need their meds, they don't need support, they're free from all that. And by November, they're home, devastated, depressed, anxious. It's really, really a hard situation. And I have dealt with students who've been in that situation and they take a year to recover. They're home, they're in therapy, they're suddenly seeing themselves in a way that they never saw themselves. And that's because sometimes we're well-meaning by giving them so much support to get the good grades that when all that scaffolding is taken away, they don't realize how much they had. So when they get to college, they feel invincible because they did great in high school. But in high school, they had teachers and tutors and parents and executive function coaches all working with them. And it didn't occur to them that it wasn't their work until they got to college. So what I, fortunately, I tell parents to look for alternatives and transition programs. And the other way to handle it is when you feel that your child isn't ready, let's say sophomore or junior year, you introduce that fact. You say, you know, I'm not sure you'll be ready for college right out of high school. I just learned that there are some alternatives that we could look at that maybe you can start college a year later if you're not ready. So the earlier it's introduced, the more it becomes part of the dialogue and the less it feels stigmatized, the less it feels like it's plan B. It's just part of the plan. If I'm ready, I go here. And if I'm not ready for college, I go here, which is just as good. And so there are transitional programs that are academic and non-academic. There are alternative programs that might be career-based, vocational-based. There are programs that have learning support, life skills, social support, along with some college or maybe no college. And that can be a stepping stone. But there are many, many ways that a child can leave home after high school without being in over their head. To me, that's the most important is letting them leave home, develop the independence, but in a supported environment so that they then can go to college. Because many of our students, many of my students are academically ready. That's not the issue. It's what do they do outside of those 15 hours they're in class? Because that's it. 15 hours a week is in class. The rest is completely unstructured time. And we know what happens with ADHD students with unstructured time. They don't know what to do. And so they have fun. And they don't think about the long-term doing homework on those three days. And it can get them, you know, really into some hot water. So fortunately, there are lots of options. So then would you say for the parent of a student with ADHD, it would be a very good idea to sit down sophomore year or possibly even earlier and begin to discuss and look at possible alternatives to heading directly to a four-year college after high school? Yes, absolutely. 
again, the earlier, the better, even in middle school, you can introduce the fact that, you know, they're like, I'm learning about all these other things you can do after high school. And you're saying it as part of a normal conversation because the children have expectations or their parents have expectations and the children want to meet their parents' expectations. So if they can downplay that everyone thinks I should go to college and people are open to me having alternatives, you would be surprised how many kids are relieved to know that they don't have to go. And as we know with ADHD, they're almost better off waiting three or four years after high school before they even start college, because that's when their brain is mature enough to really handle all the things we're talking about. And I have met with many students, almost all with ADHD, who come to me at 25, 28, or even 30 years old to say, you know, I went to community college, I flunked out, I thought I was a failure. And now that I'm a little older, I'm starting to realize that I am pretty smart and I would like to go to college. You know, sometimes it just takes a little longer and then they're ready. And would you say this is true for the top tier, the the twice exceptional students with the good grade point averages and ADHD, as well as the average students? Absolutely. And sometimes it's harder for those students because there are so many expectations put on them. Well-meaning people, again, teachers, friends, oh my gosh, you're so smart. You're going to go to college X. They're going to accept you. They're going to love you. And you're thinking, I don't know. I don't want to be away from home. Yes, I'm smart, but I'm not sure I even want to leave home. So it's putting this expectation on me, but absolutely. Now, there are some very selective colleges that have excellent support and also have coaching. And that's another angle. You know, if you feel like your child's mature enough, then you want to go to a school that has a really robust executive function coaching program. And it might be fee-based. You might pay extra for it. In fact, Jody Sleeper Triplet has a program uh, from JST Coach that she's going around the country helping colleges develop programs and training coaches on staff. And I'm always saying, let me know the next college you go to because then I can add it to the list of students who need it. That's so important that they have that person that that can help hold them accountable. But yes, very, very bright students often, especially twice exceptional students, really need that support, the social emotional support. And again, they can go to college as long as there's someone there that's their mentor or their learning specialist. And that really is a critical piece for, for their success. So much wonderful advice. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to tell parents? What I would say is for those of you who have children with ADHD, you are probably also dealing with some comorbid conditions such as dyslexia or dysgraphia or even autism. And when you're looking at colleges, when you're helping your child decide where to go, take all of those things into account equally. Because if you get executive function coaching, but your son or daughter has some social issues, that's not going to work. But if you have need the social issues, but they don't have some support for dyslexia, or they're not going to provide audio tapes, for example, you need to look at, at everything together. And then I would also say, be kind to yourself, because as parents, we all do the best we can. And sometimes we look back and wish we had done things differently. But all we can do is start from now and help our children be the best that they can be. Thank you so much, Judy. I think parents will find all of this information so helpful. Thank you very much for inviting me today. 
Support comes from Christchurch School, a boarding school on Virginia's Rappahannock River. The Learning Skills Program at Christchurch helps students with ADHD and other learning differences unlock their true potential. School should not hurt. With 25% of the student body in the program, a high level of support is woven into a world-class mainstream education. 100% of students are accepted at four-year colleges and universities. More at ChristChurchSchool.org. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chad's ADHD 365 podcast.